Good afternoon. Everybody okay? Are you happy? So maybe we're the, not the least happy church. Are we one of the happiest churches on earth? Praise God. For the number of years that I've known Rob, we have spoken about all kinds of things. And uh, he's made me a promise years ago. He made me promise him a number of years ago that I would do some sermon series, or at least some sermons, on the book of Leviticus. And uh, how many have read the book of Leviticus lately? <laughs> lately. <laughs> how many have read it not so lately? How many haven't read it at all? Okay. The book of Leviticus is one of the five books that Moses wrote and that make up what is called the Torah. The Torah is the portion of the Bible that is at the very front. It is part of the Old Testament, and uh, it is made up of five books. The first one is Genesis. The second one is Exodus. You probably remember stories from the book of Exodus, like the Prince of Egypt, Moses, the Ten Commandments. That's all happened in Exodus. And then there's the book of Leviticus. The book of Leviticus is the book that really breaks down the law that God gave Moses for the people of Israel in the desert when they were in Sinai after they came out of Egypt. So if you remember the Ten Commandments, there was this long-haired, long-bearded man that went up to the mountain, had a meeting with God, and God carved out ten words or ten sentences that make up what we call the Ten Commandments. And he gave it to him on stone tablets. And he came down from the mountain and he presented that to the people of Israel. Now, there was a long story about what happened there. That's not really where I want to go. But I want to talk about later on in the conversation, God spoke to Moses and gave him instructions about what Israel should do as his covenant people. And as he gave him those instructions, he gave him details of how they should do what they do. How they should eat, how they shouldn't eat, what's kosher, what's not. In other words, what's clean, what's not. He gave him all those things, but he also gave him a calendar. He didn't give him a calendar calendar. He gave him what became the Hebrew calendar, which has lunar months. In other words, the months of the calendar of the people of Israel is set to the moon and not the star, the, the sun like ours, the Gregorian. So they have days that repeat every new moon, right? There's a month, every full moon and every new moon. It's a new month. So part of what he gave him in the middle of that book of Leviticus is a number of very special days on that calendar, and he gave him details about how these days relate to one another. And because it is the calendar, not of the Jewish people, but it's the calendar of God that he trusted the Jewish people with, it is important for us to understand some things about it, even though we're not bound by it. Does that make sense? 
If we don't understand the details of God's heart and how he expressed them to a family that he made a covenant with, Abraham's family, we won't understand his heart with us. Because the scripture tells us that all of the history of the people of Israel is there to instruct us as new believers now, as the family of God in the New Testament, the church, that whole history is instruction for us. So if we miss some of the detail or the big stuff, we're not going to be having a solid faith to understand what Jesus came to fulfill. He said, I didn't come to, absor- to, to remove the law or, or to you know, erase it. I came to fulfill the law. He came to complete it. The law was given by God through Moses to show the people of Israel that they can't. When you look at the Ten Commandments, you and I may think we're pretty good. But in the reality, when we count all ten, we find that we fall short, every one of us. The first commandment, there is no God but one. How many gods have we made up for ourselves? I'm not talking about statues. A couple of days ago, I was driving in the car with Sarah, and we were driving up around around Young and Seven, and she noticed there was this huge golden statue. There's a Hindu temple there, and as you drive by it, there's this massive, I'm talking massive, like three, four stories high, golden statue. And she shook her head. I'm sorry I'm quoting you without permission, but she shook her head and and she said, In this day and age, people still believe in statues they make as gods? And we don't make statues, but we create our own gods still. Our own gods could be money. They could be comfort. They could be all kinds of things. Pleasure. Ourselves. We create our own idols. So we've already broken the first commandment. The second one is don't take his name in vain. And how many times have we used Jesus' name in curses? The third one is don't steal. How many times have we stolen? Honor from somebody. You thought it was going down, pocket lifting and that kind of thing. Maybe we've done that too. I don't know. Maybe we've cheated on our taxes. Maybe we've taken cash as opposed to, or paid cash as opposed to paid HST on it. How many times have we done all of these different things? The fourth one, how many times have we not kept the Sabbath? Now you tell me, okay, but the Sabbath is a Jewish thing. Actually, it's not. The Sabbath was right there from the very beginning at creation when God created the heavens and the earth in six days and then on the seventh he rested. Before he gave the law to Moses, there was a Sabbath. But when he gave it to Moses, he described to them the details of what they should do. And in chapter 23 of Leviticus, and I'm hoping that we can... A video up here. All right, it takes a little while to sink. Leviticus chapter 23. And this is where all of these eight feasts, special holy days, holidays. And if you have a Jewish friend, you know that they value their holidays. If you've gone to school with a Jewish student, you know that they take off on those days and they obey the commandment of God and they don't show up to school or work or whatever. So they're still holding on to that. 
So on Mount Sinai, God gave Moses the dates and the things that they had to do to observe these days. So I'm going to go through them real quick. The point that I'm getting at today isn't this, but this is important for us to know so that we can get to the point. The first one is the Sabbath day. Shabbat. How often does Shabbat happen? Every Shabbat, every Saturday. As a matter of fact, that name, Shabbat, is used in many languages. In Armenian, the word for Saturday is Shabbat. <laughs> Go figure. In Arabic, the word is Sept. In Iranian and Farsi, it's the same. So it existed, somehow it entered into the vocabulary of all these different languages. And then the one day that was the key day when he gave him these commandments was related to the day of the Passover when they were still in Egypt as bond slaves or slaves and they were coming out of Egypt. Remember the story of Moses? They were slaves in Egypt under Pharaoh and now they're going to come out on the day of the Passover and it's called the Passover because the, the angel of death was going to go through all of Egypt and destroy its male, firstborn males, except for the houses that had the blood on the doorposts of the lamb. And their sons were spared. So Israel sacrificed the lamb, the people of Israel, took the blood of that animal. They ate the animal later, but they took the blood and they put it on the doorposts. And when the angel of death came, if there was blood on the doorposts, they skipped the house. The angel skipped the house. And the kids that were in that house, the firstborn sons, like I'm a firstborn son, I would have been spared. But if the Egyptians didn't have the blood, their firstborn sons, all the way to Pharaoh's firstborn, all died. And that's the Passover or the Pesach. And that's on the 14th day of the month of Nisan, which is the first month of that calendar. The second feast, which is happening around the same time, all these feasts now, the first two, three, four, happen at springtime. So around Easter time. And that's why we celebrate Easter at that time, because everything that happened to Jesus on the cross and after the cross was happening at that time. The next one is the first fruits. The unleavened bread is when they're celebrating, they're, they're fasting, or if not fasting, but they're only eating the unleavened bread. They're not eating bread with leaven. It's not rising, it's flat. And there's a reason for that. And then the first fruits. And then the day of Pentecost. And now the period between the Passover and Pentecost is 50 days. And that's why it's called the Pentecost. Then in Hebrew, it's called the, the, the Feast of Weeks or Shavuot. And all of this happens in the springtime. And then there is a Feast of Trumpets. Now, the Feast of Trumpets doesn't happen at that time. You'll notice that it's the month of Tishri. The month of Tishri is the month that's coming up next. We're in the month of Elul right now. At the end of the month of Elul, we enter into the month of Tishri. And it's called Yom Teruah. Teruah is what we did when we were singing just a few minutes ago. Teruah is to, ru to rip out a sound like a blast and a shout. When we were singing just a few minutes ago, when Christ returns, when Christ comes back, to shouts of acclamation. 
And we were singing it loud. As a matter of fact, as we were singing it, I opened up an app I have on my phone that measures the sound volume. And we were hitting some pretty high, not frequencies, but high decibels. We were reaching sounds of roaring and and thunder and of, of shouts. And we're instructed to do that. The scripture tells us, release a shout to the Lord. And we were singing, shout to the Lord, right? We do that. So on that day, they shout and they release the, the, the trumpet sound. And I brought a shofar with me today. And they take these things that are ram horns. This isn't a ram, it's an animal called the kudu. It's an African animal. And they release the sound all through their synagogues and their homes and everywhere across the world. The Jewish people take this thing. And they release the shout. They release a sound. And it's not just one time like I did it. It's multiple times. And the reason for it, it reminds them of a bunch of different things. It reminds them of the time that Abraham was instructed to take Isaac up on top of the mountain and to offer him as a sacrifice to God. And God had a plan not to kill Isaac, but he sent a ram. And that ram was caught in the bush by its horns. So when they blow this thing, they remember that our God is a savior and he releases us when we are supposed to die. He brings us to the place of salvation. And as a people of Israel, they remind themselves of that because their history has always been that. Remember the Holocaust. People planned to kill them, but God saved them. Remember when they were in Persia and the king was, and Haman was trying to kill them. But Esther and all of what happened with her and how God saved them. Repeatedly, this history of the people of God under persecution. You and I are the people of God today. And there is a persecution But God, through the ram and its horn, spares us. So this feast is coming up in a few days. It's coming up, as a matter of fact, on the the eve of the 30th. The 30th of September. This coming month. Today is the 15th. So in other words, in two weeks. All across Toronto, all across the world, Jewish people are going to be blowing their shofars. And it's followed by the Day of Atonement, which is 10 days later, on the 10th of Tishri. What is the Day of Atonement? It is the day that all Israel stops everything. They all gather to Jerusalem in the temple. They're instructed to do that. And they all bring sacrifice animals. So instead of their own sins causing them to die, they lay their hands on these animals. And one by one, they transfer their sins, as it were, to the animal, and then the high priest does, does the same. Usually the high priest is dressed in all kinds of colors and jewelry and like gems and everything else, gold. But that day he's just wearing white. And he stands there and he lays his hands on the animal. And they release one animal as the scapegoat, and they slaughter another animal and take its blood. And he enters into the holiest place in the temple, and he sprinkles the blood on the mercy seat. And he speaks to God and he asks for forgiveness for all of Israel's sins for the last year and the year to come. And God speaks with him. And it's on the Day of Atonement. 
Now the two days, or sorry, the ten days between the day of atonement, the first of Tishri and the tenth of Tishri, are called the days of awe. A-W-E, awe. Because they spend those days. And two days before Tishri, there's also the day called Slichot. And Slichot is a day that they just spend that day focusing on repentance. And they take those ten days and they just focus on asking God for forgiveness. Making things right between one another. Before they come to the Day of Atonement, they make sure that their debts are taken care of between one another. And they prepare themselves for the Day of Atonement to stand before God, sinless as much as they can, but they know they can't be, so they have the sacrifices. Now the sacrifices have not been taking place in the temple since the temple was shattered or broken down and the altar was destroyed in the year 70 AD. So for almost 2,000 years now, there's been no sacrifices in the temple. As a matter of fact, the day that Jesus died, on that Passover that Jesus died on, the curtain in the temple that separated the holiest place from the place of the priests, the holies, that curtain was torn from top to bottom. And it wasn't, like, it's not something that you can rip, it's very thick. It's not something that you can rip from the bottom because it tore from top to bottom. And when it tore, Jesus was hanging on the cross and he released a shout right at the same time. If you read your, your Gospels, Jesus released a very loud shout and he released a spirit into the hands of his Father. And since that time, the sacrifices have stopped. That was the last time they had sacrifices. A few, a few years continued, but the curtains was open and everything was like open until the temple was destroyed in AD 70. They continued the sacrifices, but after that it's finished. To this day, they have not been able to do a sacrifice at the temple because they don't have a temple. If you go to Jerusalem, the mount where the temple exists, there's now the Al-Aqsa, the, the mosque, and also the, uh, the Dome of the Rock. There's no temples there, there's no altars. So there's no sacrifices being given. They're preparing for it. Someday they believe they will have a, a restored temple, but it's not yet. So what happens after the Day of Atonement is the Day of Tabernacles. Where they celebrate, they build the tabernacles in their homes. And if you go to a Jewish home or if you drive by a Jewish neighborhood, you find that here on Bayview, if you drive up and down the street, just before you get to... Uh, between York Mills and Shepherd, there's a synagogue there on the west side. You will notice that they have a booth at this time. It's just a planks of wood and some greenery on top. And it reminds them that they are pilgrims in the land. But more importantly, it reminds them that there is a habitation that's going to take place. And that God is preparing them for a different house. This is the commandment of God for them to celebrate. And they're supposed to do it till the end. As a matter of fact, the scripture says, do this forever. It doesn't say do it till Mashiach comes, till the Messiah comes. It says do it forever. Notice something here. The first one, everybody is supposed to do that because we're all created and we're all supposed to have that day of rest. Because it's a prophetic picture of what is to come. There is a day of rest coming when God is going to stop from all his work. He still hasn't. As a matter of fact, when Jesus was performing miracles, he performed them on the Sabbath. And people were asking, hey, your master is doing miracles on the Sabbath. And they argued with him. He should be resting. 
He says, my father is working and I'm going to work as well. If you who are righteous and animal falls into the pit on the Sabbath, are you going to leave it there or are you going to pull it out? But notice what happens now. These four here have all been not only Israel's feasts, but these four have been fulfilled by Jesus on his earthly time here 2,000 years ago. He became the Passover lamb. He was the unleavened bread, pure, without any yeast in him. He was given up. And if, you, if you've ever been to a Seder, and maybe we should do one sometime soon. In the Seder, there are three unleavened wafers. And they all, if you, you know what a matzah looks like. Matzah bread has got stripes down the, the columns of the, the bread. And it's got little holes to signify the lashes and the piercings. But they don't even see that yet. The people of Israel today are blind to that. They don't see it. That that symbol is speaking of exactly what happened to their Messiah, Jesus. Some of them have seen it and their eyes have been opened and they've come to become uh, born again believers in Jesus. But they, the majority of Israel still doesn't see it. He became the first fruit. He was the first one that was offered to the Father. And then he spent himself with the disciples for 40 days. And then he left. And for 10 days after that, they waited in Jerusalem until the promised Holy Spirit came. And the day of Pentecost took place. All of these feasts, in a sense, have they been fulfilled in their fullness. There's nothing more that can fulfill them. The Messiah, the sacrificed lamb has been slain. There's no more fulfillment than this. This is the highest fulfillment that the Son of God himself would be the Passover lamb for all of humanity. He is the unleavened bread for all of humanity. He was the first fruit of all of humanity. You and I now become additional fruits to the first fruit that he was. And then the Holy Spirit came on Pentecost. And that is a one-time experience for the world that is not going to be repeated. There's different outpourings of the Spirit. But it's not like the day of Pentecost when for the first time the Spirit of God came down on humanity and actually baptized humans with himself and filled them inside with his presence. These have done. They're finished. They're completed. Now you and I enter them. Those of you who have recently been born again, you have now experienced the Passover lamb personally. Those of you who have come to eat the communion, when after you've become a believer, before you have a communion, if you're not a believer, you're just having bread and cookies or bread and juice. Right? But now that you become a believer, that bread now becomes the unleavened bread, which is the source of your salvation. The first fruit, now you've become added to the first fruits. And you're part of that company of those that are called the fruit of God's mercy. And then you experience the baptism with the Holy Spirit, whether you speak or tongues or not. It doesn't matter right now. That's not the point. The point is you experience a second touch. A filling is inside, but a baptism is when you're dunked into the Holy Spirit and you get baptized in the Spirit. These have all been fulfilled. But there's something more now. They're coming to the Feast of Trumpet in a couple of weeks and they're going to blow their shofars. But what is that trumpet about? That trumpet is what we're all waiting for. When Christ shall come with shouts of acclamation and when the trumpet blows, when we sing all these songs, we sing about these things. But do we understand what we're singing? We're singing it when we're singing the, the, uh, the days of Elijah. When we're singing it all over again. When that final trumpet, uh, we were singing how great thou art. 
in that song, we were singing the same thing. When the trumpet sounds, what is that trumpet sound and will you be able to hear it? Will you be able to hear the angels blowing the shofar or you're going to be distracted by the life cares and all the problems of the world that you're facing? But there's a shofar sound that's coming and it's going to wake us up. A few weeks ago, I was sharing about the map of China and I mentioned to you, you know, God speaks to me in weird ways sometimes. And he speaks to each of us according to the language that he has trained us to speak in. Right? He trains me visually. So I see things in maps. You're going to ask me, where is that in the Bible? It may not be necessarily in the Bible, but in the Bible, there's plenty of different weird ways that God spoke to prophetic, uh, prophetically to people. And it's the same thing. It's the question is, is it confirmed by others in terms of what its implications are? So when I shared with you about China being that rooster that's going to crow when, when the Messiah is returning, we're coming to the point where the shofar is very close to be sounded. So when we're coming together now and we're celebrating this Feast of Trumpets, on this day that Israel is celebrating, it's a prophetic picture for us to remind ourselves that the day is coming and it's coming sooner day by day where the angels are going to blow the trumpet and the Lord will return and he will take us from this place. Now, the scripture talks about it this way. Oops. Where am I? Paul talks about it this way. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven. How? When? With a loud command. With the voice of the archangel. With the trumpet call of God. There's a trumpet that's going to sound. There is a release of a trumpet sound that's going to take place in the heavens and on the earth that is going to cause things to happen. The dead in Christ will rise first. Now we saw a little bit of that when Jesus actually died. When he died, the Bible says that tombs were open and dead people got up and they started to testify of him to all those in Jerusalem. But that's not the end. The end is the trumpet will sound. And after that, those who are dead will rise. Those of us who are alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. That's reality, guys. A few weeks ago, I told you I don't talk about end times. I'm not talking about end times. I'm talking about what's going to happen. But I want to focus on how we prepare for it. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. What are these words? That those that have passed will rise first and we will be caught up with them. We will all be together with Christ. Encourage one another with these words. If you've lost a loved one, you will see them again when the trumpet sounds. Prepare yourself so that the trumpet is going to sound and you want it to sound sooner than later. You want it to sound as fast as it can. You want it to sound today if possible. But are you ready for it? Don't be so quick to say yeah. Don't be so quick because there's something that has to happen. This is in chapter four, of 16, uh, 4, verse 16 and 18. First Thessalonians chapter 5, he continues, Paul continues, and he's now encouraging them with these words. And he prays for them and he says, May the God himself, God of, the God of peace, sanctify you. In other words, keep you separate. Make you holy. That's what sanctification means. To separate you from the rest. To separate you from this world. To keep you different from the rest of this world. 
different how. In what you wear, in how you shave your head or don't shave your head, keep a beard, don't keep a beard. How? Different how. And he says, may your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord. Why is that important? It's important that your spirit be kept blameless. Is your spirit blameless? If you've been saved, your spirit has been renewed. Now you have the spirit of God living in your spirit. Your spirit is blameless. Is your soul blameless? Your soul is your mind, your emotions, your decisions, your feelings, all of that stuff that is you. Is that blameless? And your body. Is your body blameless? Do you look at things that you shouldn't? Do you taste things that you shouldn't? Do you touch things that you shouldn't? Etc., etc. So, these three things, three things he identifies as critical. Spirit, soul, and body. And he needs us in preparation for that great day of the trumpet. Because these three things combine together to be a weapon in his hand. Your spirit is already his. Your soul, your will, your decisions, your emotions. He wants to align with his. Your body. Why do we worship with our hands up? Why do we worship and, and sometimes dance? Why do the kids take the flags and do that? Because they're expressing the things that are happening in heaven. We're expressing the things that are happening in heaven. Many times in worship, we remember that with the tens of thousands of angels who are saying, Hallelujah, we align our voice with them. That's what we do in worship. We try to match the frequency, if you will, of that which is happening in heaven. So there's an example in Scripture from, Gen- from 2 Kings chapter 13. It's a long, don't bother with that. I'm just going to tell you what happened. Story is that the king was being attacked by Syria. And the prophet Elisha was getting old and dying. So the king goes to the prophet and he says, what should I do? And the prophet says, oh king, take... Take the bow and take the arrow. Okay? How do you hold this thing? I'm not going to actually load it, but I'm just going to hold it like this. And he says, take the arrow and strike the ground. Open the window toward the east. And he says, shoot! Shoot! And he shot. And Elisha said, the Lord's arrow of winning the battle. What is the Lord's arrow? Now this king shot three times and he stopped. And the Lord said to him, if you had, and Elisha said to him, you should have shot five or six times. Then the whole battle would have been yours and you would have defeated them for sure. But you only shot three times. You're going to win only three battles. How many battles do we want to win? I want us as a church to win as many battles as we have people sitting here and those that are at home. Every one of those battles, you have to win a battle. You have to win a battle. You have to win a battle. You are a weapon in God's hand in defeating the enemy today. And the arrow speaks of that. 
The arrow speaks of that. The arrow of the Lord. This one here, how many feathers does it have? Three. Your body, your spirit, and your soul. This is an example of that. Am I pulling things too far? I don't think so. Because look what happens. The three feathers of the arrow, they talk about aligning my spirit with him. May he keep you, spirit, soul, and body, until the day of his return. Your spirit is already aligned with him. Your soul is continually being aligned with him as you're being sanctified. Your body also is being aligned with him. Day by day, since we got back from holidays, I have not been well. I've been suffering all kinds of things in my intestines. I wake up in the morning and I have cramps. I have to lie down in bed. I can't. I don't have energy. I run to the bathroom. I'm either from one side or the other. It's just been a mess. And I realized enough is enough. So we prayed. On Thursday, Silva and I prayed. Thursday afternoon, one of my friends, a good friend of our church, Somi, shows up to our home with little bottles, (laughs) activated charcoal. From Indonesia. He's from Indonesia. And he brings it back every time he goes. He says, take 10 of these now and take six later and six later and you'll be feeling better. I was feverish when he came. I took the six. Something broke. And we prayed. I didn't just take the carbon. But it absorbs toxins. And I'm convinced that as we were praying with others, they were seeing that my body was under attack from a foreign thing. Physical, yes, absolutely. Maybe I picked up a bug when I was in Cuba. Spiritual, definitely, because we're all spirit beings and we're weapons in God's hand. And if I'm in bed, I can't do the things I'm supposed to do, I'm useless as a weapon. If my distractions keep me from doing what I'm supposed to do, I'm useless as a weapon. So my body needs to be aligned with Him. In other words, if we look at it this way, spirit, soul, and body, we need to be aligned for this era that we're entering into. The period between now and when the trumpet blows, we need that alignment. Personally, you need that alignment, that your body is aligned with God's purposes. In other words, healing flows in you. Alignment in terms of what you see, what you, de- what you eat, what you drink, what you ingest. Maybe there are some things that you need to shake off, some habits that you need to get rid of, behaviors that you need to put aside, thought processes in your mind that you need to be rid of. But this also is a corporate thing. Because the three arrows speak of the same, the three feathers of the arrows speak of this as well. That there is an alignment that corporately we are as a church aligned with the Lord. And as a matter of fact, 1 Corinthians 6 7 says, Whoever is joined to the Lord has become one spirit with him. In November, in Japan, the new emperor, the father, has stepped down. And the son is coming in to become the new emperor. And on the, I think it's the 14th of November, he's going into a ritual that he actually becomes joined to the sun goddess. You can read about it online. It's a spiritual thing that right now there's actually discussions in Japan. Should we as a nation be doing these kinds of things but that's a ritual of spiritual joining and it's what makes him 
a deity in Japan and worshipped as the emperor. So we, the scripture said earlier, the portion that I put from Thessalonians, before that it talks about uh, being joined to prostitutes. But he talks about us being joined to the Lord. Sorry, in Corinthians. So we're joined to the Lord corporately. And then there's the joining together between us. And we are three congregations, like the three feathers, that the Lord brought together. And we're being joined slowly and slowly, more and more integrated as not one, but three that are in unity. Because a threefold cord is not easily broken. And then lastly, we need to align with his direction. And in Amos chapter 3, he says these things. I'm just going to skip this and go straight to Amos chapter 3. Somewhere here. Surely the sovereign Lord will do nothing without revealing his plans to his servants, the prophet. The lion has roared. Who will not fear? The sovereign Lord has spoken. Who can but prophesy? I call this a new era. Because there is a sense within the body of Christ that we're coming in two weeks on September 30th. We're entering a new era. Things may not shift immediately that day. But on that day, we feel that there is a shout and a blowing of a shofar that needs to take place across the globe. And in so doing, a wave of sound in the spirit, not only a physical wave, but a spiritual wave, will be released across the globe that does exactly that. He's revealed it to his prophets that something is happening. We've tested it. We've conducted conversations. We've prayed together. And we heard the words megaphone in one of our prayer meetings. We heard the words megaphone. You know what a megaphone is? What's a megaphone? That's a megaphone. But what's interesting is that in the book of Revelation, in the Greek, the word megaphone exists numbers of times. Two words together, mega and phone. Great sound. Great shout. Great voice. Great sound. And it starts off with Revelation 1, verse 10. When John, who is in the Isle of Patmos, and he's entering a conversation with the Lord, and he hears a great voice as that of a trumpet. You can keep reading it. There's 46 verses that talk about it in the New Testament. It's repeated all over the place. And it ends with the, the final shout. But who can but prophesy? The lion has roared. Is this the lion's roar that is now going to wake all the dead people out of the grave? I don't know. Is this the first time that the lion has roared? Definitely not. Is this the first time that the Lord has released a sound that says that my people will release a shout because I am about to do something and shift the times? He's done this over and over again in history. And he's about to do it yet again. So I want to show you a very short clip. There's two of them. 
but I'll, I'll just go with this one. This is David Damien speaking. On September 30, 2019, the Lord is summoning His body from all across the world to come together to release a shout. As the nations are raging, the Lion of Judah is releasing His roar. And the Bible says in Amos 3 verse 8, The Lion has roared, hope but not fear. This is a time where the Lord is releasing His kingdom authority to His body. And through that shout, there is a sonic wave that will be released that will shake whatever can be shaken. Walls will fall down, bondages will be broken, and the kingdom will advance. We believe that this is the time for the body joined by the Lion of Judah to declare that the kingdom of God is here and now. We invite you to come with us on September 30, 2019, Rosh Hashanah, with that shout and the sound of the Lord joined by the trumpets and the shofars. When I talked about the three alignments that we do corporately, we align with Him corporately as a church, but we also align with the rest of the church globally. We need to step into that as a church. We need to be more and more aligned to what God is doing globally. Part of it is happening here in this nation with what happened in Ottawa, with what happened this weekend in uh, uh, the last few days at the Battle for Canada in St. John, New Brunswick. There's many different things that we need to align with. We're aligning with one another here, but we need the alignment much bigger. And that prepares us, that puts us into the environment where our own personal alignments, my spirit, my soul, and body, can align easier if I'm in the environment that is aligning with the globe, with the global church. This is now the second video. This one is from Asher Intrader. Asher is an apostolic leader in Israel. He's a Messianic Jewish person. And listen to it from that perspective. Hi, this is Asher Intrader, and I want to invite all of our friends around the world to join us for a global webinar uh, with all of our friends at uh, Watchmen for the Nations and David Demian. We are going to have uh, this webinar on September 30th at... 3 p.m. Israel time. You've got to get used to it and check your schedules wherever you are. And what is September 30th? It is the Day of Trumpets, the Feast of the Sounding of the Trumpets. And we don't think this is just a, a regular seminar. Really, friends, we are at an urgent moment in history. We're all facing crises around the world in Israel, in China, in America, in England, really everywhere. People have been calling me and saying, wow, the situation seems overwhelming. Uh, what should we do? Well, here's what I think we need to do. I think we need to go higher. At this time right now, we've come, got to come to a higher level. And that's where the shofar comes in, the day of trumpets. Listen, you remember at the beginning of the book of Revelation that John said, Revelation 1.10, he said, I heard a great sound, a great voice behind me like the sound of a shofar. And it turns out, what is this sound? It is 
the voice of Yeshua, the voice of Jesus speaking to him in the form of a shofar. And he says it's a great voice. In Greek, this is mega, is great. Phone is sound. It could be a great sound or a loud noise or, or a big voice. Mega phone. So this is the voice of Yeshua talking to us like a shofar. Dear friends, look, we don't want to just blow shofars and just make the room stinky. But we want to tap in to the voice of Yeshua speaking to us in a loud voice. Amazingly enough, what happened just a couple of chapters after that in, in Revelation 4.1, John says, I heard the same voice that I heard at the beginning. What is that? The megaphone, the great voice of the shofar speaking to me. And what did he say the second time? He says to him the same voice. He says, come up. Come up. Come up here. Come up here. Come up here. I want to show you something. I want to show you what's going on in the heavenlies. I want to show you what's going to happen in the future. Folks, I don't think we have any choice right now. We need to come up to a higher level. And I personally believe in my heart, this is what God is saying to all of us in a big voice. If we have the ears to hear it, come up. Come up. Come up to a higher level. Now, what's at a higher level? You remember... That Yeshua died on the cross to give us forgiveness of sins. He rose from the dead to give us eternal life. But that's not all. He rose up into heaven to give us authority in His name over all powers, principalities, history, what's going on. And He's saying, you've got to sit with me there in prayer. He said, I want you to call you up. And folks, we have no choice. This is not, I'm not talking about end times theology only here. I'm talking about us responding to the voice of the Lord saying, we need to, you need to, I need to, we all need to rise to a higher spiritual level above what's going on in the crisis around us, in the governments, in the politics, in the history. Let's rise to a higher level to hear the voice of the Lord together and to prophesy over the nations of this world from a level of spiritual authority greater than we've ever known. We've seen so many things happening now that are like as if coincidences we have a prayer meeting somewhere and then boom the political situation blows up this is not coincidences the Lord wants to show us that there's great spiritual power and I feel like we haven't learned it enough we're like I said we were like little children in kindergarten playing with a nuclear bomb we've got to learn how to use this spiritual power that God wants to give us to be able to help the situation in the world and to get the world ready for the coming of the, of the kingdom of the Lord now, there was another thing that when John heard that, Yeshua said to him, look, you, the angel said to him, you need to prophesy to many nations, many tongues, many peoples. This is Revelation 10, 11. And listen, John couldn't do that, all that. Of course, he wrote in the book. He was looking at a generation in the end time of a people that would read his book and be willing to go to a higher spiritual level to be able to prophesy to all these nations of the world. Well, folks, I think we need to respond. And this is our time. At the Feast of Trumpets, we want to blow the shofar together around the world. But even more than that, here's what we want to do. We want to call our friends in the body of Messiah around the world to join together more in unity, rise to a higher level, 
and understand this spiritual authority that we can begin to pray and prophesy to the nations and get this world ready for the kingdom of God. I think it's an urgent moment. I don't want it to any of us to miss it. So let's look to be together on the 30th of September, 3 o'clock Israeli time. Check your calendars. We'll be together with all of our friends uh, from the Global Gathering with David Demian and we're going to be united in prayer, rise to a higher level, understand that spiritual authority he wants to give us and then, yes, we will blow the shofar. But more than that, we want to release the megaphony, the voice of God speaking his kingdom into this world. Hey, I don't want to miss it either. We'll see you there. You got a little bit of teaching in there as well, but uh, what he's talking about by going higher, that's the place where we get to hear his voice in the, heaven, in the heavenly throne room and align ourselves, the third alignment, the third feather. Now, why three feathers? An arrow without one of these feathers will never hit its mark. These feathers cause the arrow to go straight. As the arrow is shot, it rotates through space and it spins along its axis. And these three feathers keep it on the axis that it's shot in. One of them being missed, one of them being absent, will cause it to go in a different direction totally. So when he prays and he says, I pray that you are kept by God your spirit, your soul, and your body. Don't sell yourself short as an arrow in the army of God. Don't sell yourself short with thoughts that don't belong in the mind of a believer. Whether it's thoughts about yourself, thoughts about others, thoughts about how you sell yourself short sometimes, I'm not good enough, I'm this, I'm that. All of that stuff has to go. We need to be made whole Spirit, soul, and body. Our bodies need to be aligned with his purposes. If our bodies are not functioning at top performance, we're basically shooting ourselves in the foot as far as an arrow being an effective arrow in the hand of God. If we do things that shorten our life, behaviors, habits that shorten our life, we're basically taking one of the feathers and ripping it slowly until eventually it comes off and then the arrow is just going to fall to the ground. So my prayer with the sermon that I wanted to leave with you today, these thoughts, are that we would align ourselves first as arrows in the hands, in the, in the quiver of the Lord. That we ourselves would be aligned, spirit, soul, and body. You need to go home and do some business with God on this. Spend some time with him and listen to his voice and see what he tells you, where he points his finger in areas that need to change. And then we corporately need to align. If there are things between us, if there are things among us that we are not settled on, we need to settle these things. He says, prefer others ahead of you in all that you do. In all our relationships, at home with family members, at work with coworkers, at school with other students, here in the congregation, in the city, in the governments, and all of these things, we need to align with Him. And we need to align to the body of Christ so that we can rise up together, higher together as one family on earth, to align with Him, to hear His plans and His purposes for this time so that we can fulfill them. We got a few prophetic words as the City River Church is here. And the Lord spoke to us. 
And he's given us way back, almost two years ago, he's given us a word that we are entrusted with nations. Do you remember that? And then later we heard that he's going to make us one of the happiest churches. And then before that, we heard that this place is going to be busting at the walls. People are not going to be, we're not going to have enough space for people. Because people are going to be saved and coming in and and we're seeing these things. Now, why are we doing Alpha and Farsi? Why are we doing translation? We want to have on-ramps so that whatever tool we have in our hand, whether it's a language or a culture group that we can touch or a people group that we can touch, we want all of these things to be open pathways so that people can come in and receive the grace that God has. But we need to be personally aligned. So let's stand up. We'll pray. Now you can mark your calendars. As soon as an email goes out from Watchmen, next week I'll put a link that will allow you to register for the webinar. It's a free webinar, obviously. But it's 8 o'clock our time to 10 o'clock. You can catch it. It's going to be on Zoom, the same technology that we use for the translation. So those who are Iranians, Farsi-speaking, you already got one head up. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you never leave us nor forsake us. We thank you, Lord, that when you speak, when you thunder your voice and your roar, who can but prophesy? We thank you that you have never stopped speaking. We thank you that you are a listening, a hearing, a feeling, an all-knowing God. And your love endures forever. You have such a deep love for all of humanity. You want the trumpet to sound so that the walls, like Jericho's walls, can fall and people's hearts would be set free and salvations would happen and many would enter into your kingdom. You want the sound of the the trumpet to blast across and chains to be broken and people to be released. The words you've spoken, Jesus, is that I have come to set the captives free, to give sight to the blind, to liberate the oppressed. And Lord, we want to echo with you that same sound. And as we're coming to this day, September 30th, on your calendar, we want to align ourselves with you. This isn't about a Jewish thing. This is about alignment with you and your calendar. And Lord, we believe that this is just a prophetic act. But we believe that it has magnificent consequences that we will experience. Lord, never before has the whole globe heard a call to come together on the day of trumpets to blow the sound of the shofar together. So, Father, as we step into this, whether we understand the full significance of it or not, out of obedience to those that are calling, we trust, Lord, that you will do something in us and through us. Father, we pray like Jesus taught us to pray, that your name be hallowed, that your name be lifted high, and that your kingdom would come on earth as it is in heaven. Not in the day of the future, but in this day. We want your kingdom to be manifest on earth today. You said that the kingdom is within you. We want to release that kingdom from within us. So, Father, as you deal with each one of us as we go home and process and 
Just listen to your voice as you identify areas in our life that need alignment. I ask, Lord, that you now pour your spirit over each of us. That, Lord, that there would be an alignment with in the same way that the people of Israel have gone, will be going through the Slichot, where they repent, and then they come to the Feast of trumpet, Trumpets, and then they go through the Ten Days of Awe, that we in our spirit would do the same. That this would be a time of cleansing for each one of us. A time of purification. A time of consecration. That you would identify areas in our lives that you long for us to be rid of. That you would point your finger into the areas. And Lord, I trust that you are such a loving father that you do it with gentleness. So we shut down any, down any, any, any fear, fear. Any power, any trepidation, that you would do it on the way that you do it. So Father, we agree with you today. And we echo a yes. Like Mary said, may it be unto me as you have said. Father, may it be unto each one of us as you desire. Align us, Lord. Align us. Align us. It is your desire. We say, yes, Lord, align us. If you agree, just whisper it to the Lord. You don't have to say it out loud. If you want to shout it out, shout it out. If you want to whisper it, whisper it. But it's time that we align. A greater degree of alignment. We need that to enter into the new era. He's prepared us for the last couple of years. But he's taking us to a whole new level. May the Lord bless you and keep you and cause his face to shine upon you. May he make your path straight before you. And may he give you his rest, his shalom. Go in his peace. Come back next week and we'll celebrate as we prepare. God bless you all.